The Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Land Trust. Have you heard how landowners are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use? Millions of outdoor recreators seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Landowners are partnering with the Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit landtrust.com/boa as in business of agriculture to learn more. That's landtrust.com/boa. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, Damian Mason, with a subject that I think you're going to really dig into. In fact, I want you to share this episode with your friends, agricultural and non-agricultural alike. We're going to talk today about National Ag Day and National Ag Week, and we're going to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. National Ag Day, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. If you're of a certain era or you like old westerns, you know that The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was the title of a Clint Eastwood movie made in the 1960s, part of the spaghetti westerns as they were awesome bunch of movies if you love old Clint Eastwood movies, which I happen to very much enjoy. So uh, you've probably heard the theme song, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Each one of these categories, I'm going to give you my take as it relates to our industry, the business of agriculture. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly as it pertains to the world's most important industry, that is, the business of agriculture. Okay, March 22nd, 2022, that's Tuesday, March 22nd, it is National Ag Day, part of National Ag Week, which runs from March 20 till March 26, begun 49 years ago by the Agriculture Council of America. The idea was, let's spread the word about this wonderful industry, the world's most important, the business of agriculture. Fantastic. Gotta love that. So what are the good, the bad, and the ugly? Well, let's just talk about our beloved industry. The industry that I was born into, as many of you were, that I've worked around or been peripheral to my life for 50 some odd years now. We, from the good standpoint, are amazing at what we do. If you've read my book or listened to it on uh, the audio book, you know, I talk about the amazing accomplishment. The amazing accomplishment meaning what modern agriculture is. So this is very much on the good, and we'll get to the other uh, categories, of course, because I know you're saying, what's ugly? What's the ugly part of it? We'll get to that. We can celebrate the good, quite frankly, by just pointing this out, that for 10,000 years of agriculture— you know, and you, if you keep up my stuff, you've heard me talk about this. All the folks that go to the Whole Foods and they say, I don't know about using pesticides. That's not natural. Nothing about agriculture is natural. It was invented by humans 10,000 years ago. We were loincloth-wearing loin cavemen and cave women. We were hunter-gatherers. We stab a woolly mammoth and hope like hell you get it eaten before it, rottens, before it rots or before the hyenas drag it off and eat it themselves. It was a pretty terrible existence. All this glamorized horse shit about the hunter-gatherers living out there with their weapons made out of carved stones... 
I own $30,000 worth of hunting gear and the best stuff you can buy at Cabela's. And it's still pretty damn hard to kill a deer. Do you really believe it was that glamorous? No, it's a hard scrap of life. You're trying to shoot stuff. You had no refrigeration. You had, you had no civilization. You were eating some berries and hoping like hell they weren't poisonous and it didn't kill you. Life expectancy was like 27 years old or something. Girls got pregnant when they were 15 and 14 because they'd probably end up dying sometimes in childbirth. They were generally starving, poor people. We invent agriculture 10,000 years ago. The human condition immediately improves. All of a sudden, you've got bigger brains. Our teeth and facial structure change because we started eating domesticated livestock. We domesticated livestock and got milk. All of a sudden, our bones are stronger. Humans got bigger, smarter, and also could sit down and actually live somewhere rather than dragging around their, their belongings on a stick and behind the, <laughs> behind the family and hoping to find a cave. It was a rough time, okay? Agriculture changed. Changed all that. Schools, civilization as we know it, museums, infrastructure, cities. All of that is because the foundation was laid with agriculture. You've heard me talk about that. So the good is that we not only changed the whole of humanity when we invented agriculture, but we started getting really good at it just in the last hundred years. If you've heard my speeches before, I point out that while we had 10,000 years worth of agriculture, we weren't worth a damn at it until the last hundred years. We still had scarcity pretty much defining all of our existence. We had potatoes, but we also had potato famine. Important I should be saying that to you because this is also not just National Ag Week in March. It's also St. Patrick's Day. The Irish potato famine killed over one-third of the population of Ireland. That was just in the 1800s. So we had agriculture, but we still were not very darn good at it. The modern advances of agriculture have done amazing things. Countries like the United States of America, where so few of us actually work in this industry, are so good at it that then we can create the Googles of the world. We can create the Amazons of the world because Jeffrey Bezos is not worried about producing his own food. You've heard me talk, and again, I point this out in my book, in countries like Central Africa Republic, over 70% of the population is involved in producing food. Why? Because they have no technology, they have no in infrastructure, they have no equipment, no modern science being applied to crop production and food production, so therefore they're doing it in a very rudimentary style. Here in the United States, Canada, Western Europe, Argentina, Brazil, Australia, we're pretty darn good at it, right? We also were pretty darn good at in Ukraine. Unfortunately, there's some terrible things happening over there right now, which again is incumbent upon us. Talk about the good. The good is because we have such an amazing agricultural industry, we generally can use that as national defense. In the United States of America, we are strong because we are not held over a barrel. We're not held over a barrel waiting for someone to feed us. We have been able to feed ourselves. That is good. What else is good about our industry that we should talk about heading into National Ag Week and celebrating National Ag Day. Our productivity on a per acre, or better yet, the best example I can give you that I think you should use whenever you're talking to your non-ag friends, we use less natural resources per calorie of food produced than has ever happened in the history of humans. We invented this business 10,000 years ago. We got really good at it 100 years ago, started hybridizing corn, started using chemistry and, and manufacturing. We were no longer just out there with hoes and rakes and shovels or walking behind an oxen. We now all of a sudden applied technology, machinery. The yields 
took an absolute spike beginning about one century ago. That's an amazing accomplishment. We now have surpluses. That's an amazing accomplishment. For 9,900 years, we were, we were basically ruled by scarcity. Now we have surpluses. We're amazing. Again, this is the good when I talk about National Ag Day. What else is good? What else is good is that on a natural resources or a resources utilized per calorie produced, it's less than it's ever been. So tell your non-ag friends that. You know what? You may not always like the idea of a sprayer going through a field or the fact that we use chemical fertilizers. But you know what? We're using less of those per calorie produced than we ever have before. In other words, very good for the environment. Our advances have been better for the environment. Tell all of your non-ag friends when they say, I just think the old days was better because it was more natural. Show them a picture of the Dust Bowl. The Dust Bowl, just in the 1930s, less than 100 years ago, in the Plains states where a bunch of the topsoil blew away. We had drought combined with bad farming practices, combined with over tillage, without windbreaks, without conservation uh, measures being taken. That was the old days. Point out things like trichinosis. Yes, you know, everybody still thinks they can get that from eating pork if it's not overcooked. That's why you still go to people's houses and they cook a pork chop until it's like eating your, your dining room table. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that because we gave trichinosis to the hogs by giving them human food waste and scraps. You know what? They don't have that problem anymore. Why? Because we have modern agriculture. Again, the good. We have contained foodborne illness. It's less than it's ever been in the United States of America. Everybody thinks somehow that this food is out to kill you. I wrote it in my book. We have like a few thousand deaths by foodborne illness out of a country of 330 million annually. It's remarkable. The good. Our food is safe, abundant, more affordable, even with this run of inflation, more affordable then than it's ever been historically right here in places like North America. These are all very good things. Even the, even the poorer people in places like North America still have food. That's a good thing. So I can go on and on about this, but I want to make sure they don't shortchange you because you're saying, Damon, well, okay, you can go on about the good all you want, but I want to hear about the bad and the ugly. All right, let's go ahead and then wrap up the good. The good is that we continue, we don't sit on our laurels to get better. That's what I'm still excited about. I look out here over the future and I see a future of autonomous machinery. I see more of an understanding and an adherence to soil-based practices than I've ever seen. When I was an FFA soil judging, I was all about wanting to be an agronomist. And I was all about conservation. I understood that why you had to do certain practices with certain land to protect it, to protect the fertility that was there, to also protect it to pass on to the next generation. I see more of that now than I've seen before. You know, we had programs, if, you, if you're if you an old-timer like me, the government program, T by 2000, tolerable by the year 2000. We were going to get soil erosion down to the point where it was tolerable by the year 2000. In some places, that's happened, and, and then some. Some places, we're still not doing as great of a job. But the main story is, through whatever practices you choose, organic, regenerative, conventional, some hybrid of those things, which is where I think ag is going, I believe that the future of agriculture is going to be we'll take the best regenerative practices, because some of them are very good, utilizing livestock within the cropping system, utilizing manure, cover cropping, all things that generally are good. Some of the best practices of organic, frankly, reducing your amount of chemistry isn't necessarily a bad thing. 
we will use the best practices of regenerative, organic, conventional, and some practices we haven't even quite developed yet in the future of agriculture. We keep getting better at it. That is the best story we can tell when we talk about good. Now let's get to bad and then ugly. I wrote down my notes here. What do we do bad? As we're celebrating National Ag Day, it's worth saying this. If you can't self-critique, if you can't look at yourself, if you can't look at yourself, your industry, your job, you as an individual, you as a business person, or you as an industry, if you can't self-critique honestly, you're full of shit and you'll never get better. So I'm going to talk to you now about what's bad about our industry. First off, speaking of self-critiquing, we don't do that great of a job of it. You know what we really like to do? We like to, we like to preach to the choir. That's the first bad thing about our industry. You know, it's all over the place. We tell ag people about ag. Go on Instagram. And you know what? Every passionate advocator is passionately advocating about their passion for being passionate about the most passionate position they could ever take of their passion for agriculture. And they tell a whole bunch of other ag people how passionate they are about agriculture. I'm here to tell you that's called preaching to the choir. I used to be guilty of it myself. I share stuff now that I want you to disperse to your non-ag friends. And I also am willing to be self-critical. Self-critical about our industry. Well, first off, what's bad is that we've become very dependent on China. If you keep up with my stuff, you know that unlike the rest of agriculture, um, we I don't get I don't get all rah rah with the, the the Chinese thing. You know what? China is our adversary. China wants to replace us. They do not want to be our customer. They want to be our replacement. They want to be the most dominant economy and the most dominant military on the planet very very soon. They are using us to feed their machine. We're using them for cheap manufactured goods, which is very good for a low uh, a lower income person that can go to Walmart and buy a bunch of cheap Chinese crap. That's a good thing. But you know what else? That poor person that's going to Walmart used to have a job in places like my hometown, a factory town in northeastern Indiana, where we had all kinds of factories that no longer are necessarily there because low-skilled production left the United States of America and went to China. So we get their cheap stuff, but we also don't have the jobs because we ship the jobs. We've done a bit of a problem on agriculture. We've applauded we have loved them as a customer. We have, in fact, allowed them to take advantage of us in some ways because they are the world, the, the, they are the United States' biggest agricultural customer. Number one, they did 30, I've got it right here. Uh, this came out last month. Um, China uh, did uh, 35, let me get the number here to be exact, $33 billion in purchases in 2021. $33 billion of our stuff. And we get all excited about it. Oh, we could never piss off China. Oh, they're our biggest customer. Well, guess what? Mexico was $25.5 billion. Mexico has one-tenth the number of people that China does. You hear what I just said? 1.4 billion people in China. Said it kind of like Trump right there. China. 1.4 billion people in China, 130 million people in Mexico. Less than one-tenth of the population, and they did damn near as much money. On a comparative basis, they did a heck of a lot more per customer, didn't they? $25.5 billion, up 39% from the year 2020. $25.5 billion versus $33 billion. My point is, we have, and this is a bad for North American agriculture, become too dependent on China. 
Unfortunately, I believe that they dictate a great deal more of our activity than they really should. Every every day you tune into AM radio or listen to the, the stock reports and all these kinds of things, they talk about China, China, China. And I believe it's very bad for us as a country. I believe it's bad for our national defense. I believe it's bad for our, our autonomy and our independence. And also it's bad for our industry, agriculture, to be this dependent or to believe that we are this dependent on them. Canada, by the way, is our number three customer agriculturally. So it goes China, Mexico, Canada, South Korea, Philippines, Colombia, uh, all set new records. So I just, th- those are, that's not the necessarily order, but those are all top 10. It goes China, Mexico, Canada, as far as one, two, three. I believe that we should ramp up our trade with every other country we possibly can, particularly in the Pacific Rim, because it makes us less dependent on China and makes those countries less dependent on China. I believe that getting out of the TPP was probably a bad move, and it was going to happen whether Trump got elected or Hillary. So we don't get political, but I'm telling you, it is bad to be this dependent on China, and they will exploit this. What else is bad? We're outnumbered, we're outvoted. We can't do anything about that. I just told you that in places like Central Africa Republic, 70% of the country's populace is involved in agriculture. Well, that might be good because you'd have the votes, good because you'd have the support, good because you would have a vote a voice as an industry, but it's pretty darn bad for the Central Africa Republic customer. The consumer has food insecurity. There's not enough food. They're generally one of the poorest and most food insecure countries, one of the top 10 food insecure countries in the planet, on the planet. So... We are outnumbered. We are outvoted. We are outvoiced. This is a bad thing. But we're not going to change it. But we could probably get a little bit better about how we do our jobs. And I'm not talking about the production. I already told you in the good. We're amazing at that. I'm talking about this fight that we're up against. Because we are outnumbered. We are outvoiced. We are outvoted. We still don't understand activism. And this is a bad We don't understand that activism is an industry. It is called the conflict industry. I was given that term when I spoke to the Indiana Hardwood Lumberman's Association, the IHLA. Indiana is actually a pretty big hardwood lumber state, believe it or not. And they talked at great length about what they consider it to be the conflict industry, meaning it is a money-making, job-securing industry that also operates as a non-for-profit. The sooner we understand that nag because this is the bad thing. We don't fully get it. We take on this whole thing of activism, believing it's just some crazy beatnik out there with their sign in front of a, a, a chicken barn protesting factory farms. I want to tell you how activism really works. They set themselves up as not-for-profits. They don't pay any taxes. They hire attorneys and publicity people. They are amazing at using the media, which loves to utilize conflict to get headlines. Remember, it's it's as old as humans and it's very very deep in our uh, in our it's who we are, unfortunately. We love them versus us. And the media gets it. It's dumbed down, base level, emotion evoking stupidity to put this side against this side and tell that story. Show me the conflict. Well, the conflict industry uses the media then to propose and promote what they do. And then, of course, the lawyers jump in. The lawyers use this to create lawsuits. We don't fully understand that we are opposed by an industry. We think sometimes, this is very bad, again, good, bad, and ugly. We think, this is bad, we think that these folks 
are doing this out of some sort of altruistic reason. They want to shut down chicken farms because those bad farmers are mean to those chickens. Well, that's sort of it. But those are the useful idiots that are out there carrying the signs. Behind the scenes, it's actually a money-making industry. Guess what? If we put in bigger chicken pens, we will not make those people go away. If we put in bigger farrowing crates, we will not make those people go away because for them to go away would mean that they have no job. When it is a business, now it makes sense to you, right? You will never appease the conflict industry because they need conflict to exist. It is their job. It is their fundraising. All they exist for to do is raise money to oppose us. They raise money and they pay themselves. There is no appeasing them. It is bad that we don't understand that nag. Everybody that listens to my stuff understands it. But you know what? Share this with your people so they'll understand it. There's no appeasing these people. From animal rights activism to environmentalists. As I always point out, Greenpeace was founded 50-some years ago to oppose commercial whaling. It was terrible. We were killing those beautiful whales. So you know what? Greenpeace went out there and would park their boats in front of whaling ships and take get shot at. As recently as 30 years ago, Norway, Russia, and Japan still commercial whaled. Guess what? None of them do anymore. So Greenpeace went away, right? Well, hell no, they didn't. Because for them to go away would mean that they decided, ah, the fight's over. We've all been appeased. Our, our needs and our demands were satisfied. Let's disband Greenpeace. Well, you know why they don't do that? Because what are all the employees that have had these cush jobs and go to offices in Washington, D.C. and essentially don't do much, why would they ever want to go away? Well, they don't want to go away, and they didn't. They just find a new target. That's us in agriculture. We can get rid of commercial whaling. We're not going to get rid of the green piece. You understand what I'm saying? It's bad that we don't understand that. We, bad. We preach the choir. We're outnumbered. We're outvoted. We have legislative problems. What we've done is tie our farm bill, our agricultural policy, to the greater social safety net, the social welfare, if you will. We did that to get the votes from people in urban and suburban districts because we don't have enough agricultural rural representation, right? You get one congressman or congresswoman for about every 770,000 residents. So dividing it by population, that's how we got to the 435, just so you know that. 435 U.S. House of Representatives members, House of member, uh, House members then represent about three quarters of a million people, roughly 750 to 780,000 people per representative. By the way, very few of those are then agricultural. So what did we do years ago? We tied our farm policy into the welfare policy so we could get their votes, their support, and their attention. Everybody, and I know that I differ, a bunch of people, the policy types, the professors in agriculture think this is a good thing. I think it's a bad thing. And it's a bad thing because it's bastardized our entire situation. It's made us now look like we're right there with the welfare recipients. And frankly, sometimes we are. We do have federally backed crop insurance. We do have federally backed subsidies. We do give money to the ag sector to guarantee an abundant food supply and keep the producers of food in business. We are, after all, subsidized industry. You don't like hearing that. Some of my farm friends don't like hearing that. You're the only industry that will get a government 
payment to pay your insurance to guarantee you revenue. Ask the dry cleaner down the road that has four dry cleaners if they can get an insurance policy paid for by the government that will guarantee them break-even revenue or even profitable revenue. Can't do it. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you about the good, the bad, and the ugly of agriculture. The bad is we are legislatively controlled. We have no choice. They're, they created this thing. They have a thing called the United States Department of Agriculture, which was founded in the 1860s under Abraham Lincoln, which he called the People's Department. It's all about abundant amounts of supply of food and affordability for the masses. That's all fine. The thing is, for us to keep the legislation friendly, we've tied into a system that I think gets a lot of things wrong, and that would be the welfare system. I think that that's a bad thing that we've done. I don't know that there's any way around it, because right now we still think we need to be tied to the greater program uh, to keep our support or to make sure that Maxine Waters, who represents Watts in Southern California, will actually come on board uh, with the USDA uh, funding. Um, What is also bad is that it changes every five years. You know, most things don't change every five years. The farm bill, which is really the food bill, the food and welfare bill, changes every five years. Uh, That means we have to, as an industry, go, and this is bad in my opinion, we have to go there and then line up and lobby and play our dog and pony show to make sure that our interests are met. And this is another thing that is bad. It ends up being commodity group versus commodity group, specific segment of the ag industry against other specific segment of the ag industry. Oats are battling wheat. Uh, Wheat's battling corn. Uh, Ethanol's battling feed manufacturers. It goes on and on and on. This is a bad thing that because of the game we are forced to play, we end up playing against each other. Ah, now let's talk about the ugly. Speaking of playing against each other, there's a couple elements of ugly. There's a couple of elements of ugly that I want to get to covering the good, the bad, and the ugly here on National Ag Week. First off, let's talk about the bigger picture of ugly. What we always, what we do in this industry is not always pretty. Raising livestock out there with manure is not pretty. The smell is not pretty. There's an ugliness, unfortunately, to what we do. It's not all Norman Rockwell pictures or imagery of old McDonald's farm as much as some of our customers want it to be that way. For the customer to eat meat, and believe it or not, the vegans are so wacky, they want to tell you that 6 to 8% of America is vegan. That is simply not true. It's almost impossible to be a vegan. About... Half of a percent or less are truly vegan. Another couple percent claim to be, a lot of people claim to be vegetarian. So let's say we maybe get to a couple percent. Generally, that is not true. There are all kinds of people that tell you they're a vegetarian. Oh, but I I also, I eat eat hamburgers because I like those. But I'm a vegetarian, basically. Generally, everybody eats meat and uses animal products. So there's a couple percent that do not. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because our consumers want meat, but they know that raising it has a degree of ugliness. We're the ones that are willing to do that. We have the kill floors in Dodge City, Kansas, where 12,000 steers get slaughtered every day. Does it smell? Yes. Is it pretty? No. Is it bloody? Yes. Do our customers want it? Yes. Do they want to do the work? No. What we do, we touch products every day. Urea, chemical fertilizers, herbicides. 
We get our hands dirty. What we do is not always pretty. In fact, some of it's kind of ugly. There's an ugly side of what we do. But you know what? The best thing we could do is communicate on weeks like this, National Ag Week, what the military does isn't always pretty either. What the military does is not always pretty either. But you sure as hell need them. We are national defense. We are national security. Abundant, affordable food being raised in an environmentally friendly manner, using less resources per calorie produced than has ever happened in the 10,000-year history of agriculture. That is an amazing accomplishment. While there's things that we do that are not always pretty, there's an ugly side to it. You can't live without us. You need us. We're willing to do the ugly stuff. Let us be. So there's the ugly part of what we do. But let's talk about the ugly part about who we are. And this bothers me, to be honest with you. We are sometimes overzealous. And somebody that has so much zealousness, somebody that has so much self-focus can be an ugly person. Now, I'm not talking about promotion. That's all good. Obviously, I've been a comedian. I've been on TV. I have to be a certain amount of promoter for my business. That part's fine. But you've heard me say, this thank a farmer thing needs to go away. Did you think the 11-year-old kid that works in a sweatshop in Bangladesh that sewed together your t-shirt that you are wearing right now? You didn't, did you? Did you think the person that manufactured your smartphone, you use it every day, Yeah, but you can't live without us. You'd die if it wasn't for us in agriculture. Well, you know what? You probably wouldn't have a very good existence without your smartphone. You use it every day. It makes your life easier. It makes your life better, right? You use this to improve your business, to make money, to communicate with your spouse, to check on your kids, to make sure you go somewhere. You have the directions on here. You use this quite a bit, right? Did you thank the person that manufactured it? I'm guessing you did not. Did you... Thank the person that made your car, the United Auto Worker employee that's putting together your F-250. Did you thank him or her? There's an ugliness to our self-congratulatory nature. And I am as proud of an ag background as you can imagine. Here in my office studio, I've got the picture right over there of the old dairy farm with the cement stave silo and the barn that I grew up putting hay and straw into. And I'm sitting on my back right now, which is damn torn up from baling 10,000 small square bales of hay and straw every summer of my entire growing up. Am I an ag proud guy? Yes, I am. But I believe that when we tell our customers it's their duty to thank us, we are extremely off-putting. There's an ugliness to that. Um, there's another thing that happens that's an ugliness. And if you keep up on social media, as you probably do, because it's the year 2022, the infighting that happens legislatively has been going on for a while. There's been infighting among agriculture since the cattle people didn't like the sheep ranchers out west in the United States. You've heard about those battles, right? And then there's the ranchers that wanted to just drive their cattle around. And there's the other ones that so no, no, it's my ranch and I'm going to put barbed wire up. So there was the infighting between the more ranging type of cattle producer and the actual homesteading cattle producer. We have had fights 
So infighting between agricultural groups has gone on for a while, but I see an uglier thing that I don't like. It's not even the legislative thing of one commodity group having a different set of vested interests versus another and going to Washington, D.C. and trying to become the winner on some legislation or some grant or some favored trading situation. That happens. I'm talking about the ugliest between all of us. You know, um, I'm a personality. I speak at agricultural events. I write books. I have podcasts. I used to be in comedy. I get it that you're going to have critics. Trust me. I've had lots of critics over my career. I started out 28 years ago as a political comedian dressed up as Bill Clinton on stages, for God's sakes. You think I had all kinds of adoring fans and no critics? I'm not talking about critics. I'm talking about sniping. An ugliness that happens amongst our industry, where it becomes going on Twitter and typing in some mean, nasty, almost vile thing about someone else. And I see it. Sometimes I receive it. It's okay. I'm a big boy. I'm not even talking about somehow you need to feel sorry for me. I'm talking about an ugliness within our industry. Sniping. Snide, snark, meanness. And sometimes it's that this person's not ag enough. Oh, this person's not ag enough. It becomes this whole thing. It reminds me of the bumpkins and voag fighting over who was a bigger hick. Don't be this. Be the professional that you are. Be the remarkable agricultural producer professional uh, that you are without getting caught up in that because it's lowest common denominator stuff. Just like I told you about the conflict industry and how media likes to play that up, well, social media likes it also because it creates algorithms, because it creates eyeballs, because it gets viewers and clicks. And it's also the worst about us. It's the ugliest about us. I see it. I receive it. I would like you to see it and not share it. I would like you to not participate in it. Have I been guilty of being dragged into the mud and doing it? Yes. And again, it's ugly. And it doesn't, it doesn't bring out the better person that we are. It doesn't bring out the better professional that we are. and doesn't bode well for our industry, quite frankly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're amazing at what we do. This industry keeps getting better keeps getting better for the environment, keeps doing remarkable things with less resources per calorie produced. And that's the big one I want you to go away with, that in 10,000 years of this industry, we just keep getting better. Have we made some mistakes? Hell yes, we have. The Dust Bowl, I already referenced. Pollution, when all of a sudden we end up sending some manure down into a river, there's some bad stuff. But in general, we keep getting better and better. That's a good. Bad? Told you we've got some bads. We've become really over-reliant on one customer, and we think that somehow we need to jump through hoops for them, for that customer, and I believe it's going to be very bad for the United States of America to continue to do that. Bad, we also preach the choir. Bad, we have infighting between commodity groups, understanding that that happens because the United States Department of Agriculture and our Congress sort of creates this whole thing where now it's all of a sudden who can get most favor, who can get most protection, who can get more subsidies, whatever that thing should be. But it's a bad because it continues to drive this entire uh, infighting between the industry, if you will. Um, And then the bad, we're also terrible about understanding our activists. We need to understand. It is bad that we don't understand that activism is an industry. It's called the conflict industry. Ugly. 
I'm not going to carry on about it. First off, what we do is not always pretty. The thing you should share with our customers on this week, National Ag Week, is that agriculture has a lot in common with the military. You need us. We do some stuff. We touch some things that are kind of ugly. We do some things that you maybe don't even want to hear about, whether it's slaughtering animals so you can eat meat or whether it's touching those manure or, or handling chemistry, touching things like anhydrous that can blind you. We do some stuff out here that's got an ugly side to it. That's okay. Let us do it. Just like the military. Let us do what we do. Let us do what we do. It's good for all of us. And then there's the ugly part that I want to make sure that you also leave with. The ugliness of the bashing, the ugliness of the snark, of the snide, of the tearing down somebody because somehow they're not country enough. They're not ag enough. They're not this. They are something. They're different. And I don't think that it's bringing out our best person. We can do better and we should do better. And we're doing pretty darn well as it is. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly, March 22nd, National Ag Day, National Ag Week, March 20th to March 26th. Do our industry a favor and share some of this with non-ag people. And don't tell them that they have to thank you because there's an ugliness to patting yourself on the back all the time and saying, you owe me. Remember, you didn't thank the person that assembled your smartphone, and you didn't thank the 11-year-old in the sweatshop that stitched together your shoes that you're wearing right now. Why, then, do you think everybody owes you a thank you? That being said, I thank you. I thank you to all of the clients that have made my career possible. I thank all of the industry people that I've had the pleasure to work with. When I think about National Ag Week, I think about my neighbor farmers. I think about my farmer clients. I think about agricultural professionals that work for great companies that have employed me. I will thank you. But I'm not going to tell all of our customers that they have to thank, that they have to thank me. National Ag Day, make sure you enjoy it, celebrate it, and pass along some of this information to your non-ag friends, because you know what? We'll do a lot of good if they understand us, and especially if it doesn't become an abrasive, an aggressive, or more importantly, a defensive situation. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for being uh, you know, a listener. Please share this around. Till next week, National Ag Day and National Ag Week, I wish you the best. This episode of The Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Land Trust. Landowners just like you are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use. Millions of recreators actively seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Owners of farm and ranch properties are partnering with Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com slash BOA, as in Business of Agriculture, to learn more. That's LandTrust.com slash BOA.